0: Believe it or not, in another life, I managed inventory in a warehouse. That's right, I accepted shipments, folded t-shirts, put everything into an Excel spreadsheet, and man, I really wish I would have had something like Sortly around to help me through. Sortly is an inventory management software that helps businesses track their inventory, assets, supplies, materials, tools, and so much more. It's a mobile cloud-based solution that streamlines and modernizes every aspect of tracking inventory, Cross-device syncing allows teams to update inventory from multiple locations in real time, whether you're in the office, in the field, anywhere. And Sortly is proud to serve a range of industries and use cases. Sortly is the number one rated inventory management app where you can track and manage your business's inventories, supplies, materials, parts, tools, equipment, anything else that you need to help your business run smoothly. Sortly can be used on any device and syncs automatically across all users and devices. So it doesn't matter where you are, the inventory seamlessly updates in real time across your entire team, which is perfect for businesses with multiple locations. Track every detail about your items as they move across your business, where they're going, how many there are, the cost of them, the condition, and any other custom detail you choose. You can even set custom low stock alerts to remind you when it's time to reorder, and it ensures that you are never running out of stock. And thanks to Sortly's in-app barcode scanner, you can create a barcode or a QR code system for your entire inventory right from your smartphone. No extra equipment required. Save your business time and money by ditching spreadsheets and switching to sortly go to sortly.com and use the promo code one that's O N E all caps to get an additional 10% off our annual advanced or ultra plans for your first year. That's sortly.com and use the promo code O N E all caps for an additional 10% off.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to The One Thing Podcast. I'm Chris Dixon.
0: And I'm Sarah Hendricks.
1: Sarah, what we like to say, as you know, is no one succeeds alone. And behind many successful people, there is someone there providing them valuable insight, coaching, mentorship, but just really challenging their perspective to unlock their true potential.
0: Yeah. And today we got to talk to executive coach Jordan Freed. He has had more than 13,000 coaching calls and sessions. This guy is the real deal. And we're lucky because he's not only our guest for today, but he is the keynote speaker for our 2022 goal setting retreat on November 5th and 6th at La Contera Resort and Spa in San Antonio, Texas, or you can join us virtually. But Jordan is going to be there and he's going to walk you through some of the amazing thought provoking uh, approaches that he walked us through today.
1: Yeah, it was really great conversation. Jordan's going to share some of his framework and the way he approaches coaching. And we hope you enjoy the conversation and you can take away some of the valuable questions that that he leverages to offer powerful insight and reflection. And you get to watch me get coached.
0: Yeah, that was kind of a fun moment for me. I I think you squirmed a little bit, but maybe not.
1: I don't know. You guys be the judge.
0: So let's go talk to Jordan Freed.
1: Hey, everybody. We're so lucky to have Jordan Freed here with us today. Jordan is a Keller Williams Maps coach, executive coach, who has conducted over 13,000 one on one coaching sessions. No big deal. Uh, Following a three part sequence is break in, break down, and breakthrough. Jordan helps his clients to create long lasting change. He focuses on personal leadership development, emotional intelligence, and conscious decision making. Jordan is also the creator of My Freed Life which is a curriculum focused on, well, why don't I let you tell the story (laughs) before I give it all away here. Jordan, why why don't you introduce yourself and thanks so much for being here today.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks
2: for having me. And, um, you know, My Freed Life is a a lifestyle design program that's more or less looks at life from a different angle. The thing that I've noticed as a coach, uh, and I'm sure you all have heard it and seen it in yourselves and others, is that we all know what to do and then we don't do it right? And so I'm more interested as a coach in figuring out what's preventing you from crushing it than just filling you up with tactics and more information on how to go crush it. So I want to get things out of your way. So I I kind of think everyone's like a Ferrari that's stuck in second gear. How do I get you out on the highway and really let you, you know, scream, so to speak?
1: I like that analogy, Ferrari in second gear. That's, That's pretty cool. Awesome. So 13,000 coaching sessions. You've been at this for a while, huh?
2: Yeah. The the joke was there for about three or four years that an atomic bomb could go off outside and uh, uh, I wouldn't know it because I was on a coaching call. And when I decided (laughs) (laughs) to be... A coach, I uh, happened upon this book called Mastery by Robert uh, Green. And he talked about how uh, people would go into these apprenticeships, right? Like that was part of mastery. And I've always thought of myself as like, I'm in coaching residency. You know, you come out of medical school and then you go into residency. And so I, I felt like I've got to get my reps. And so I took as many coaching clients as I could and as many. Uh, reps, so to speak, as I could in a short amount of time. And I'm still at it today.
1: That's awesome. Can you share a little bit more of your your background? Like, What got you interested in coaching and you know, brought sure. you to the place you are today?
2: Yeah. So um, I started in real estate in 2006 and uh, sold for six years. And I was called up to uh, lead a real estate office, Keller Williams office in Wichita, Kansas. And I did that for three years. And that was really like, really where... I figured out how much I loved training and coaching because I've always been kind of a natural student. I've figured out that my life is best lived in a, in a loop, right? So if you take like an infinity symbol and on one side, you put student on the other side, you put teacher and imagine then there's like a dotted line where those two things intersect and that's coach. And so I am just so happy when I can live in the loop of, you know, learning and then teaching. And I, I kind of look at, it, at coaching as just the intersection between those two things. And I've always had this natural uh curiosity around making my life better and then helping others make their life better. And I still sometimes have to kind of pinch myself because I can't believe that I get to do this
0: professionally. <laughs>
2: Uh, It's really cool. But I've been at it now for full-time seven years uh, and the whole time with KW Maps.
0: Wow. Well, and we should note that you are our 2022 goal-setting retreat keynote speaker. You're going to come and do an amazing exercise for us uh, and all of our attendees. So you're obviously on the speaking engagement uh, circuit as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. And we're going to do the uh, writing a letter to your someday self. And that's a really powerful exercise for a variety of reasons. And above all, what that uh, what that exercise teaches us is, you know, we live in this. We live in this what I consider to be a dysfunctional relationship relationship with time. You know, Jay talks about how the world doesn't need another goals, another way to set goals. We need a different way to hold a relationship with our goals, right? And ever since he said that, I have also looked at the relationship we have to time, and there are very few things that if you have, if you think you have more of it than you actually do, that, that works out well in the end. The example I give on that is imagine that you go into the grocery store and you think you have $100 to buy groceries for you and your family for that week. And when you get to the uh, checkout, you only have $50. And that's the way we are with time. We think we have way more time than we actually do. And if we could just get the perspective that we don't have all the time, that we need to invest our lives strategically and get after whatever it is that we were put here to do, that's really the intention behind the tenure or the the Sunday letter is to help people make that uh, relationship with their with time more functional.
1: Man, I uh, I want to share a personal experience of how we overestimate how much time we have tend to and then when you actually get into it, 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 it's crazy. And I used to uh, set goals for a month. Well, ultimately set goals for some day and then one year and then one month and then I would plan my upcoming week. And I would do that for a long time. Uh, And then I shifted from planning one week at a time of the month to actually mapping all four weeks of the month. And what a, the biggest takeaway I had from doing that, from making that shift of having a goal, like a, a place I want to get to by the end of the month and just planning one week at a time through the month and actually looking at all four weeks, so I, was, I realized how little time you actually have. You take a... You got a day off on week three. You got a holiday on week two. And then you're like, oh, you know what? I've got this limitation over here. And when you actually start to map it out, we so frequently overestimate what we can do in short intervals and then underestimate what we can do in the bigger intervals. And that was a really big takeaway for me.
0: Well, and I think too, from a business perspective, right? I'll use Q4 as an example. Every business is going to be like, yep, heard this one. But really, there aren't 10 weeks in Q4. There's like six. Because when you take away the holidays and you take away Thanksgiving and everyone's time off, the the amount of productivity you and your team actually have in Q4 is like this big. And for people who aren't listening, I'm doing like an inch with my fingers right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So we we think we have more time than we do, right? Yeah. And yet, just
2: to your point, when you get into a... Healthier relationship with time. What you just explained is essentially a budget of time. You know, like when you look at a financial budget, uh, my favorite all-time quote around this is uh, from John Maxwell. He says that a budget is telling your money where to go rather than wondering where it went. Mm. And whether we're talking about your four weeks or, you know, the Sunday letter, these are formats to tell your time where to go rather than looking up one day and wondering where did it go or where, where it went, Right. So it's it's a budget and a perspective on time that will change your relationship to it.
0: That's interesting because I wonder if people hear the word budget and like get scared, like, oh man, I can't financially budget my own life. How am I going to budget my time? What would you say to somebody who's like nervous to put that word in time together?
2: Well, I mean, it's just like anything. If if someone is nervous or scared around an idea, it's typically because they're over chunking it, right? They're making it into a a, a mountain instead of a molehill. And so whenever somebody gets into that mindset, my goal is to always, I always think of myself as a coach as somebody who deals in clarity. My job is to get you clear because I don't believe people lack motivation. I don't believe they lack drive. I think that they lack clarity. And so with someone who's new to this, let's set it up to the smallest amount of win and momentum so that you can start the process and build from there. The challenge with the world that we live in today and, you know, the Amazon Prime everything in two days is that when when we seek change, we typically rely on one of two things, uh, extreme behavior and gimmicks. And so it's like, I don't work out, but man, I'm going to do P90X for 90 days. Like, no, you're not. No, you're not. (laughs) Let's start with maybe 10,000 steps or just logging everything that you eat. Like, what is the smallest win? And they talk about this so much in the one thing. If you want big, you have to focus small. What's the smallest win that we could create in just getting you started and build off of that? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that's what we call our lead domino.
2: Yeah, totally. So yeah. what would be the lead domino in somebody who's new to this? Let's just start. Or another thing that I find that really helps people is let's just see how how badly we can do this. Let's just see how badly we can screw it up. And then sometimes pressure uh, really like takes away our creativity. And so if we take away the pressure, our creativity shows up right so there's all these different ways that you can you can ultimately approach that
1: we were just talking about this about uh, how you have a uh, tend to have a default fight or flight mindset and if you're not conscious of that it can put you on the defense where you limit your creativity you're just in this this uh restricted thinking and if you don't break yourself out of it what kind of condition that can create that like i said limits your ability to to think freely and to be creative
2: yeah i would totally agree with that in fact when Uh, There was a time I spent uh, two years coaching coaches and what I would always tell them is there's basically three mindsets that you can put someone in fight, fight or curiosity. And obviously, if we're seeking growth, we want to put people into a curious mindset. And curiosity, creativity, all those things happen there. If we're arguing with ourselves or others, or we are, you know, backing away, if we're in flight, then there's no real growth that is occurring. So the question is, how do you coach yourself and others in a way that induces a curious mindset? And from there, you can, you can virtually build anything.
0: That's Interesting. I've never thought of it that way. And it just speaks to this conversation and the conversation we had earlier about, you know, that creativity. You're right. Like it, you're trying to lead somebody into a path where their limiting beliefs. You know, they've really fought through those boundaries or those limiting beliefs. And they've moved into a place where they're just free to explore uh, mm-hmm. without, you know, I don't want to say without consequence in the terminology of like, nothing bad is going to happen, but in the way that they feel like nothing is stopping them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that that ties back to the exercise that we're pretty pretty closely to the exercise that Jordan, you're going to do at our 2022 goal-setting retreat, which you'd said is writing a a 10-year letter to yourself and writing a letter to yourself someday into the future. And I guess giving i'm i'm going to let you speak on this but my understanding is that will give you the almost permission to like escape from the limitations of today a little bit and and break out of some of that mindset that could limit your thinking can you walk us through a little bit of of you know the root of the value of of thinking this way yeah
2: so the thing is is that i typically believe like what i'm what i'm most interested in is where do your thoughts originate so when you when you pack, when you unpack that, I, I believe that thoughts originate in one of two places: fear or faith, right? And when we think about thoughts that originate in fear, that's what you're that's what you're classifying as a limiting belief or a limiting thought. And I've just discovered this very easy litmus test. So, like, if I'm coaching Sarah and Sarah's saying, you know, I just don't know if I could do that, or I don't know what to do, and she's in this really unresourceful thought process or really unresourceful state, rather than just pumping Sarah up or, hey, you could do this, this, this and giving her more ideas, I would ask Sarah something like, so Sarah, tell me who in the world do you love more than anybody else? And Sarah says, how would you answer that, Sarah?
0: I mean, I'm going to be so embarrassed by saying this, but my dog...
2: Good job. Okay, is there a person? That you
0: yes, know? there is a person. Uh, who who do I? Love? I can't say either of my parents because they would both be like, "You said the other one." Um, so let's say my boyfriend.
2: Your boyfriend. Cool. So if he found himself in the exact same situation that you're in here today, right? Like, I'm not sure if I can move forward. I'm not sure if this is going to work. I don't know that I can that I can do this. And he came to you and he asked you for your advice. What questions would you give him and what advice would you ultimately leave him with? And what I find is that if you are unwilling to teach someone the limiting belief you are holding now, that is a thought that originates in fear and probably is one that you don't want to limit your life with. If you won't teach it to somebody else, if you wouldn't teach it to a child, like Gary talks about how. He spent so much of his life writing and presenting and training as if John is the audience, Mm -hmm. because our loved ones, especially children, we love them like no one else. And we will not pass our limitations on to them consciously. So you can always unlimit your thinking by asking yourself, who do I love most? They found themselves in the exact same scenario. Would I teach them? Yeah, no, you probably aren't going to be able to do this. You're right. There is no way out. You're right. It's probably not possible. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can always find your way home, and we have a principle: best advice, best life. That you can always find the 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 right path, the the center of your inner wisdom by asking those questions. Then you, it's up to you. All right? Do you have the courage to actually live the advice that you would give to another person? Because there's an there's a principle at all of this that if you won't live your best advice, you aren't living your best life.
0: It's very Just. similar to the concept of speaking to your inner child. Like would you yeah. talk to your younger self that way? And we're exactly saying
1: would you talk to your older self this way too?
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> well, that's so much of the work that we do that's that's different, I think, than what most do is I believe most of us have an inner critic, not an inner coach. Mm. So, if you think about a mistake that you make, a failure you may have had, whatever, uh, we're really good at taking our own inventory. You know, beating ourselves up, magnifying mistakes and minimizing highlights. And conscious decision making means that it happened at the level of awareness, meaning there there is choice involved, right? And so the question is, how would you coach uh, or what would you say to a loved one, a friend, someone who had made the same mistake, or uh, if the scenario was the same, how would you coach them? And would you talk to them the way that you're talking to yourself? And the answer is always no. A lot of people that if you spoke with them the way you talk to you, they wouldn't still be around you.
1: It's a good point. Yeah, you're typically your harshest critic.
2: Yeah, and by the way, there's a reason that you wouldn't do that. It's because abuse is not inside performance.
1: Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that that's 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 a really great point. And I'm assuming this is something that you you typically leverage in your in your coaching and and all of your experience. But I'm I'm curious to know more about your approach and you know what are some of the you talked about you know, the role of a coach being to provide this clarity. Um, what other things do you notice, or or challenges that are challenges that are common across like the spectrum of your thirteen thousand coaching calls and clients?
2: Well, I mean, I have two favorite quotes that most of my coaching is based around. The first one is, "Everyone you meet is fighting a great battle you know nothing about," so always be kind. Uh, the second one is, "Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life, and you will call it fate." And that second quote, there's, there's my all time favorite coaching formula is performance equals potential minus interference, performance equals potential minus interference. So could we, could I just demonstrate this to you? Cause so yeah, absolutely, we, let's do it. Be My client and we can walk through this.
1: Yeah, let's yeah. that's, that's, that's do it. We're ready.
2: Okay. So who, who who am I coaching
1: here? You want to flip a coin, Sarah? Rock, paper, scissors? Yeah, let's rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Wait. So is it rock, paper, scissors, shoot?
0: Yes. it's You You are throwing on shoot. Okay. You ready? Okay. Ready? Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, scissors shoot.
1: shoot. So I, I want to be coached. I'll go first. Okay. All right. Let's go. <laughs> all right.
2: So, so we're on a coaching call, right? We've exchanged pleasantries. We're into this. And I say to you, all right, write this down. Performance equals potential minus interference. And let's just use the context of your work. Zero to 10. 10 being you are absolutely positively nailing it. Zero being you're failing miserably. Where would you rate your performance?
1: Uh, just are you saying at work, like in my job? Like, mm-hmm. in, okay. Uh, zero to 10. Yeah. Uh, I want to give myself... A, I'm going to give myself an 8.9.
2: 8.9. That's really good. Why didn't you say zero?
1: because of the value that I provide back to the organization.
2: Okay. Can you unpack that a little bit for me? Like give me three specific things that you feel that you do that are valuable for the organization.
1: Absolutely. So I would say the outward uh, value that I provide to our customers, the inward value I provide to our team members and the continuous improvement that I offer to our systems and processes
2: love that. That's really great. Good for you. So if you're an 8.9, then that means that you still have some room to grow into your potential, right? Absolutely. Got it. And so what I'm curious about is what's the interference? What What's preventing you from all out crushing it?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there's probably an opportunity for my own growth from a professional development standpoint. So like continuing to expand my knowledge in the space that I work so that I can, you know, I guess reciprocate that knowledge back into the the business and the people that I touch.
2: Okay, so clarify what you just said for me say that one more time and say it a little bit more clearly this time
1: i was being clever not clear
2: <laughs> so so let's
1: let's go with i i can expand my knowledge of the things that i influence so that i can reciprocate that value
2: okay so if you were coaching me on expanding my knowledge so that i can reciprocate value what what exactly does that mean how does that show up in my Uh, day-to-day or in my weekly plan.
1: I would tell you to figure out the three things you have the greatest influence over and then pick one source of information for each and invest a certain amount of time in X period to acquire that knowledge.
2: Got it. Perfect. So I'm curious. um, If I were to interview the three to four or four to five people who are closest to you personally and professionally, and I asked them, if you were tasked with taking his leadership to the next level, what specifically would you work on with him? What do you think that they would say?
1: All right, let's see. So we're talking about my leadership and the ability to take leadership to the next level. We're asking, like, call it the four or five people, the like, close sphere. We're asking them what those those opportunities would be. Mm-hmm. That was me filibustering while I thought of a response. <laughs> I can see it in your eyes. No, I can do it right. <laughs> no, no, no. And, and I like to read things back. Uh, let's see.
2: So time out. The bottom line is, is he doesn't really know the answer to that, does
1: mm-hmm. he? Well, I would have to stew on that for a little Whew. bit. Some thinking time and reflection. But yeah, on the spot, I was, I can't call it right away.
2: Yeah, see, all information about ourselves fits into one of three categories. There's the stuff that we know that we know, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I know that I know I'm left-handed. There's the stuff that we know that we don't know. So, for example, I know that I know I am not fluent in any other language other than English, right? I'm not fluent in Spanish. And yet... The rest of it is the stuff that we don't know we don't know. So can you name one thing that you don't know you don't know about yourself?
1: No, you you can't. You can't know what you don't know.
2: No. See, and what I'm probably going to do, because the majority of the time, and we're doing a 30 or 45 minute conversation in two minutes here, but the majority of the time... What you don't know, you don't know, is hiding in a blind spot. See, real interference you are not aware of. And I call it kind of the black ice of your performance. You guys in Texas may not know this, but in, the, in, in in Kansas where I live, and when snow melts and it melts on the highway and then it refreezes, it forms in black ice. The reason that black ice is so dangerous is you can't see it. And one of the most powerful techniques that I've learned as a coach is that Oftentimes, we are not aware of our own interference. It's hiding in a blind spot. So my job is then to get your permission. Hey, who are those four to five people or three to six that I could interview? Three from your personal life, three from your professional life, and ask them some very pointed questions about how I can help you remove interference and get to the next level of performance. And what I'm looking for in those interviews is patterns. Mm -hmm.
1: I like yeah. that. I like yeah. that. No, that's great. So performance equals potential minus interference. The Interference is hiding in your blind spots. You don't know what you don't know. It's like the black ice. And by the way, we have black ice in, in Austin. It's like if we got ice here like two years in a row, doesn't make any sense, but it's <laughs> happening. <laughs> uh, but now I love this because that you don't know what you don't know. You don't know your blind spots. So how can you tap your sphere? To get the feedback you need, it's like three hundred and sixty reviewing the, the people, your key relationships.
0: Well, there's this a pers- oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: Well, and we we've heard this in um, with Gary and future or previous episodes on this podcast, where you know um, when you think about a human being, forty to 50, 90, 40 to ninety five percent of your thoughts, feelings, and actions are habitual or in the level of your programming, meaning you are unconscious to it. Right. Think about programming. There's two different types of programming, nature and nurture. So like I was born left-handed. I didn't teach myself that. And encoded in my DNA as a left-handed individual. And then on the nature or the nurture side, that's the stuff that we learn. We picked it up along the way. And when you look at nurture programming, and there's two different kinds: there's conscious and unconscious. Conscious means I consciously chose this habit. I consciously chose this thought, this belief. Unconscious means I picked it up. Gary's a perfect example of this. He explained this on another One Thing podcast episode where he said one day he looked down, he was chewing his fingernails and he was in college and he asked himself, why do I do that? And like a month later, he goes back and he sees his dad sitting in a chair. He was visiting him from college and his dad's chewing on his fingernails and it hit him that that was a unconsciously nurture programmed habit that he had installed and it was still running the script. And I see this with people constantly. They're running these programs that they picked up at a young age. Mm -hmm. It's below the level of consciousness. They don't know that it's there until I start shining a light on it. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate the single greatest superpower we have as a human being is our ability to identify and install habits. Right. And at the same time, the question often is, what is the habit that we need to uninstall? What is the interference that's running that you don't know is there? And this is so much of the work that I do with people is again, you're a Ferrari second, second gear. A lot of your ideas are good, They just need you to be able to go all full speed down the highway in order to execute on them.
0: I was gonna say, it's interesting because with this equation, you're never, as long as you have that black ice, that interference, you're never performing at your peak levels.
1: Or you catch it in a a critical corner. Yeah. And spin out in a point in your life when you're, you're most vulnerable. All right. Well, okay. So, what what else in your system uh, can you share with us? I mean, this is great. Like, I love being coached. By the way that that was really that was really insightful. And hopefully, the audience can relate to the questions you're asking because I'm going to reflect on this even after. But is there anything else in your your approach or your system that you think is valuable uh, for this conversation?
2: Yeah. So, you know, another thing, or a large part of what I do is helping people. I mean, if we get into this idea of conscious decision making, right? Um, if you want to know how people make their best decisions, it's when they're at the highest emotional peak state as well. Some of us call that, right? In fact, one of my all-time favorite quotes is that you will only perceive and create your life from the vibrational frequency you are experiencing right now. And we attempt to solve so many of our problems in fear and or anxiety. And so if you think about like, the three of us are climbing a mountain, right? And yet we're in trouble. Like we've got to figure out how to get out of this forest, and it's a 12,000foot mountain. Well, if we're at 3,000 feet, can we see the entire forest, or is our view limited?
1: You can limited. see the 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 lion's share of the forest from, three, from that from the mountain, but not inside the forest.
2: Yeah. I mean, at 3,000 feet, you can see the lion's share, but you still have a mountain behind you. Oh, I you see You yeah. 360 yeah. degree. So, so think of like fear and anxiety is at 3,000 feet. Well, if we're trying to get out of there, maybe because there's a fire or whatever, well, we get to 12,000 feet. I have a much different view than I do at 3,000 feet.
1: Absolutely. And
2: that's why, that's the way we have to think about our states. That... One of the things that we're constantly working on with people is how do we get you out of fear and anxiety and at a higher vibrational frequency, whether that's joy, gratitude, enthusiasm, whatever it is that where you can make the best decision for you, your company, your family, whatever. And so a couple of the the things that we've learned, like anxiety runs rampant in our in our society today. And I can absolutely locate the source of that. And the majority of people using five questions. So I would encourage you guys to write these down and use them anytime you're experiencing an emotion that you don't want to experience. Because the thing that we have to understand is that states, emotions, they're not COVID. You you didn't catch them. You produced them, Mm -hmm. right? And so the first one is anytime somebody's regularly experiencing anxiety, I ask them, what is it that you're doing and you know you shouldn't be? What is it that you're doing that you know you shouldn't be? The second question is what is it that you're not doing and you know you should be. Often anxiety is our inner guidance system telling us that we aren't in alignment with what we should be doing or we're doing something that we shouldn't be. But those two those are those two questions are really strong. The second or the third one is what is the molehill you're making into a mountain? What is the thing that you're making a much bigger deal? Well, we even care about this in 30 days, three months, six months, one year. Number four, what is it that you're practicing and you aren't preaching?
0: Oh, that's a powerful one.
2: Yeah. We're really good at helping other people take advice. We're terrible at following our own. And then here's the big one. Um, what is the uncontrollable you are seeking to control?
1: I like that last one too. I mean, all of those are, are really great questions. Uh, something that comes up for me a lot, you know, what do you what what's uncontrollable that you're trying to control that uh, that came to mind, and I, I share this a lot. And it's it's a Keith Cunningham uh, quote from the book The Road Less Stupid. But he he compares or contrasts really the difference between problems and predicaments, and predicaments being things that are you just don't have control over. It could be the weather and you know, it could be, and then this comes up with, we're talking about goals and and 80-20, uh, and, uh, like things you, 20% activities you should engage in versus the 80%, which is everything else. And it'll come up, someone will say, well, I've got I've got to take my kids to school. Like I can't not do that. So I have to include, well, I'm like, yeah, that's it's not that it's a air quotes predicament, but it's something you have to do. So what are the things you can control? So it comes up a lot for me. Both internally and from the people that I work and train with, that they have sometimes the difficulty distinguishing between the things you can control and solve and the things that you truly can't.
2: Yeah. And did either one of you have a class when you were growing up in elementary, middle school, high school that that taught you how to how to draw the line between what you can and can't control? Were you guys given uh any? education on that as a kid.
1: I think I must've had a sick day on that class or something. (laughs) I don't remember that one. (laughs) Yeah, no.
2: (laughs) And yet, you know, think about it like a basketball court. If you've ever watched little kids play basketball, it's the funniest thing ever, right? The ball goes out, the game stops, the clock stops, everything stops. And there's always that one kid who doesn't either realize that the ball's out or doesn't understand that the ball going out stops the game. And so he's standing there still acting, guarding a player like the game is still going. And yet that's the way so many of us are. The ball is out of bounds. It is no longer within our control. And yet we're still standing there guarding it like it's in it's in play. Mm. <laughs> and the clearer you can draw that distinction like. I like to ask people do you did did you notice the moment that that was no longer in your control like you you notice the moment the ball is out of bounds the ball crossed this line but if you can notice that moment and then have the the difference between knowledge and wisdom is knowledge is what you know wisdom is what you live practicing the wisdom to say I'm not going to pay mine to something I can't influence any longer. I- I've never met a person that their life doesn't get better with that and is in, in a regular practice.
1: Just fighting the current, and it's it's exhausting.
0: I yeah. um I had a girlfriend, a friend of mine say something, and I'm going to paraphrase it. Uh, in regards to control the other day. And I thought it was a very powerful statement in regards to this like number five question. Like, what are you trying to control? She said to me, um, if you can't control it, change it. If you can't change it, accept it. If you can't accept it, leave it. And I think... I'm going to have to like fact check that one to make sure that I got it in the right method <laughs> in the right way. Um, but I'm 99% positive I did and I thought that that was very powerful cuz we do. We we move through life and we get fixated on things that are completely out of our control whether that's the way somebody perceives you or whether that's, you know, something outside of your sphere and I think it's like taking those little steps to say okay, can I change it? If I can't, like, let's move on to the next thing so I can actually move through this mindset and thought process to free your mind to live in this curious space that allows you to live more. I mean, abundantly is the the word that comes to mind.
1: Sure.
2: If we if we pull out of our friend Keith Cunningham's uh, book, there, the Road Less Stupid, he talks about this idea of is and ought that. If you're happy with something, it's because the way that it is equals the way that you think it ought to be, Mm -hmm. right? So the way I I encourage people to think about this is uh, whenever something in your life, facts, reality equals your expectation, you're happy with it. But the second that something is not, the reality does not equal the expectation, then you're unhappy, dissatisfied. If the is doesn't equal the ought, then you are unhappy or dissatisfied. And to your point, Sarah, all you have are two choices. Either I have to change reality or I have to change my expectation. But what I love about that is it makes it, it makes the, the choice very clear, right? As to which direction I need to go. Um, you don't have to sit in dissatisfaction, unhappiness, suffering, one of two things has to change and that is an ought and the blueprint in reality that that makes it really clear on what to do.
1: Let's say someone has asked one of the five questions and they've asked a great question. They've asked a big question. And what came out of that was a solid answer. And they they have some clarity and they're like, okay, you know, I I've 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 got a solid answer here. How do you approach taking that that awareness and turning it into action?
2: Yeah, so it depends on um, how big of an aha that really is to them. If we're if they're excited and that was something that was really powerful, um, like for example, you guys, I had a lady one time who uh, she told me she was miserable in her business because she never says no, that she's constantly running around. <laughs> Anytime somebody asks her of something, the answer is yes. And I said, it sounds like you've got the disease to please. And she said, yes. And I said, okay, were you born that way or did you learn it? And she said, she learned it. Long story short, I helped her figure out where she learned it. And where she learned it was her father was physically and emotionally abusive to her mother. And she would, as a little girl, walk in and distract him from her by doing whatever it was that he asked her to do. So she was the uh, distraction from her father to go after her mom. And so she picked that pattern up. Remember, we said that earlier. She picked that pattern up and she's been running it. She was 40 years old when we figured this out. She's been running it for 34 years. And I could have talked to her about budgeting time and, hey, you know, you've got to stick to your, your time block, but that's not what she needed. She needed the interference removed. When you drive awareness around something like that, like to where it's a big aha, I don't have to create an action plan out of it because she's instantly now, she just understands like, I'm not going to run that play anymore. If she had pushed back against me and said, no, you know, I'm still going to do it. I would have gotten leverage over her by asking her something to the effect of like, how does it feel knowing that your dad still has control over you? (sighs) Because I will go to whatever length it takes, whatever depth it takes to get somebody to make a shift when the shift needs to occur. I had another woman recently who said something similar about how um, she has perfectionistic tendencies. So she tries to do everything perfect. Obviously, she can't do it. And she lives in this inner civil war between what we call perfectionism and apathy. And maybe you guys can relate to this, right? On Monday, I'm going to do everything perfect. Tuesday, I'm still perfect. Wednesday, I'm so tired. I'm like, screw it. And I'm going to move over to apathy, right? And then the, the whole cycle starts again, perfectionistic apathy. And what I helped her understand was, is that she's got this perfectionism. She's trying to constantly control herself. The reason that she left her husband is because he was trying to control her. And I said, so you're playing the same game with yourself that he was playing with you. Do you see that? you're trying to lock down control on yourself and it's not working. And it was just this you could see it on her face. She was just shocked that she had been running that for so long. And after stuff like that, I don't I don't have to really okay. nail down action plans like they they get it. Again, it was below the level of consciousness. I brought it into their awareness. Mm. And now they have choice. And do I still want to run that pattern or not?
1: Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. I mean, sometimes the, you're, you're trying to get clarity around a mindset or shift the way that you're approaching something or just become aware of a limiting belief to, to kind yeah. of summarize there. But the, in the event that some, some kind of, someone has a goal and they're trying to achieve a goal... And what they identify in asking one of these questions is, is going to unlock their ability to achieve that goal. Is there something in that case that, that you would um, frame action around or how you would approach that?
2: Well, I mean, the thing that comes to mind with you asking that question is when we were in the middle of the pandemic and when I would ask people, what is it that you're doing and you know you shouldn't be, the two most common answers was drinking too much booze and watching too much news. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You know, from that perspective, the question was, um, well, how's that working for you? (laughs) And if we're talking in the in the context of a goal, um my question around that would be, is the payoff for the goal important enough for you that you would do anything to get it? And if the answer is yes, okay, then what is it that you need to stop doing, or what do we need to replace that behavior with? Uh, I think most people, if they want something badly enough, are willing to go through whatever. If their answer to that is no, then the question is, well, why are you chasing a goal mm-hmm. that you don't care about?
1: Mm. Yeah, that's that's fair. I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, it's, all, it's all really good points. I was just trying to draw a connection for somebody that has maybe, uh, even if it's a goal that they've been somewhat given. Like if they're in a work environment and they're trying to drive towards a target or something like that, if there's a something is unlocked by one of these questions that then they could say, okay, I've got awareness. Like how can I turn it into action? If you have a question or a framework, a follow-up that you would ask on a regular basis that would help kind of turn that aha into like go do some work.
0: Well, wouldn't that go into Jordan, the black ice? Like mm-hmm. then you'd be going back into interference if you're looking at it from like a, a a performance standpoint. It's like, okay, you're asking the five questions and then it's somehow leading you back to how do you get rid of that black ice so that you're unlocking your potential from the things that you shouldn't have been doing or... Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. It just kind of clears the 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 mindset to open you up to take... Whatever next steps you need to take. It's not about necessarily turning that awareness into action.
2: I think a lot of times awareness is automatically turned into action because you didn't know it was there before. Like if you see that there's ice on the on the step of your house, you're gonna take action and put salt out. You're gonna do like the awareness alone is typically drives action. I, I can't think of an instance where I'd have to where I've had to, you know, further that conversation down the road.
1: Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that, that that makes sense. I really appreciate those five questions. I think they're they're really good tools. They're super powerful.
2: Yeah. But you have to slow yourself down and actually ask them. That's again, you know, we we in the macro tell ourselves we have all the time in the world. And then in the micro, we tell ourselves we have no time. And Getting conscious decision making means that you slow down. And look, here's the thing whatever you're feeling right now is because it's what you're focused on. So, if I asked you, for example, what does your left foot feel like? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it dry? Is it wet? Uh, are you one of those people that never clips your toenails? So, like, Ew. you're like, pushing on your sock? Are you one of those? Like, you <laughs> weren't thinking about your left foot. Until I asked you about it, but now you can feel your left foot, right? Mm -hmm. So Now you understand focus equals feeling, but what controls focus are questions. So I can virtually make you feel anything. All I would have to ask you is tell me about a time that you felt deeply grateful. Tell me the three ways that you know you have a blessed life. Tell me what you're really excited about. And I can control the way you feel by controlling your focus through questions.
0: I think that's why, you know, gratitude journals became so impactful during the pandemic was because people, I mean, this speaks directly to what you're saying is people needed to focus on the good and stop focusing on the booze and the news and, you know, everything else that, that was put in front of them. Um, and I've certainly seen a lot of my friends who kept doing that outside of the pandemic because it was just, a, to your point, like a, a great habit to take with them into the future that allows them to feel more deeply uh, you know, that gratitude, that, that joy, whatever, whatever it gives you um, and less, less focus on that negative.
2: That's right. And so your ego, the the, one of its one of its primary focuses or functions is to protect and provide. And most of us are no longer if it if it doesn't have to protect you physically, it will find ways to try to protect you psychologically. So most of us don't wake up with fear that we're going to walk outside and a tiger is going to attack us. We, a lot of us don't live in, in the fear of being physically harmed or killed. And so the ego shifted to now it's constantly engineering these threats as a way to psychologically keep you safe and small. Mm -hmm. And left to our own devices, particularly, I don't know about YouTube, but I'm tired of living through historically significant events. But over the last two to three years, uh, there are no shortage of psychological uh, threats, right? Whether that's war or pandemics or recessions or whatever. And so... If you get out of shape physically, you're going to have a program. You're going to have practices, right? Maybe your jam is yoga, cycling, hiking, running, whatever it is, you're going to have regular practices to get you to get yourself back into shape. But we don't think of our inner world the same way we think of our outer world. We don't think of our spiritual muscle the way we think of our physical muscle. And that's just conscious decision or conscious question asking to control your focus and feeling just a spiritual practice. That's all it is to make you physically, I call it crossfit of the soul. I and like that. It works, but you have to practice it. You don't get to go to the gym one day a week and be physically fit. It's just not the way it works because left our own devices, we start to unmaintain, right?
0: Yeah. It's really about the whole person inside and out. I mean, I could go to the gym every single day and physically look great, but if I'm not mentally great, then that's a problem. (laughs) Probably a bigger problem. Well, well, maybe not. We'll see.
2: Because they're so interconnected. You have dual citizenship. We all do, right? There's the inner world and the outer world. Gary talks about this. We all have a skill that we practice regularly. It's called first creation, second creation. Like wherever you guys are sitting right now, you didn't walk into that room and go, oh my God, how did I get in here? You first created, here's where I'm going. And then you second created it in the physical world, right? So the question is, is how good are you at that? How good are you at first creation, second creation? Because all of us want the ability to pull a vision out of our head and make it real. And what I tell people all the time is you were born with a 3D printer, Like if you think about how a 3D printer works, you have a program on a computer and it interfaces with a printer. You design what you want in the program and then ideally it prints on the printer. But if you're designing one thing in in your inner world, like let's say you're designing a dinosaur on the program, but then it's printing a gorilla, Mm -hmm. then we've got interference there. Why is that? And this whole game is just, it's... You don't get what you want, you get what you think you deserve. And the whole game of life is just mirrors and magnets. You're just mirroring what it is that you believe and magnetizing into your life whatever it is that you think you deserve. And so what we've what I want you to get is that you have this 3D printer. You are 3D printing your belief system into the physical world, but you're largely unconscious of your of your belief system. So I know I sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but it's when you can help people see this. And then, okay, now that we're aware of that, and the question I like to ask people is, what do I need to break, shake, burn, or unlearn in the pursuit of my best life? What do I need to break, shake, burn, or unlearn in the pursuit of my best life? And once you know that, and we're clear on the interference piece, now let's let's utilize one of the the superpowers of a human being which your your ability to identify and install beliefs and habits beliefs and habits about who you are what you value what your impact is going to be and what your vision will be and if if you if you can get that where you can literally create beliefs in those four areas and that's what we do in my 3 life is I have very specific exercises to help people do that after we clear the interference. World's your oyster.
0: I mean, if people aren't buying GSR tickets right now based on this conversation, I I don't know what to do. <laughs> like this is just hearing you speak about this, Jordan just totally reiterates why we are so excited to have you speak at our 2022 goal-setting retreat. And I have to let everyone know that tickets are still available. You can join us in person or virtually. Head to theonething.com slash events. That's the one thing with the number one.com slash events. And there you can learn more about the ticket options, more about Jordan, uh, our hosts, Jay and Wendy Papazan. I know you've mentioned uh, Gary a couple of times and I just wanted to drop a little nugget for the listeners that that reference was in fact, Gary, Keller. So in case anyone was like, who's Gary? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well, Jordan, tell us uh, in addition to hopefully everyone joins us out there to see you live in the flesh at the goal setting retreat, because you're going to run a really cool exercise, uh, which I'm excited to be a, a part of as well. Uh, where else can our listeners find you if they want more of, of your system? They're interested in your coaching or your, your other products?
2: See, I was born with the greatest last name, Freed, right? So my myfreedlife.com. <laughs> my That's uh, our site and people can go there. Uh, whether they're looking for coaching, group coaching, or uh, speaking, they can find us there, myfreedlife.com.
1: Love that. Awesome. Well, if you could have our listeners take away just one thing from the podcast today, what would that be?
2: Take the time to figure out the real interference... What Keith Cunningham says is that when we seek to solve a problem, we most often are just describing the symptom. And what I want people today to understand is to go deep, to figure out what's your real interference. And that may have to happen with the help of those around you. It may need to be a great coach. Whatever it takes to find the black ice that's keeping first creation to second creation happening for you, I promise you it's worth it to do that work. That's what I want them to take away.
1: Well, I got a taste of some coaching today and I'm, I'm excited to reflect on even the the brief snippet that we went through. And I hope the audience has the the same experience. I think that was awesome. So we really appreciate you being here with us today. We really appreciate all the interesting insight that you shared about how you approach coaching and your system. It's awesome. Thanks so much for being here.
0: And Jordan, we'll see you on November 5th and 6th at La Conterra Resort and Spa in San Antonio, Texas for the goal-setting retreat.
1: Awesome. Thanks,
2: Can't wait.
0: Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for listening to The One Thing Podcast. If you're a bold risk taker who wants to dream big and achieve a higher level of success in your life or business, visit theonething.com. There, you'll find information on -on one-on-one coaching, our exclusive community membership program, and customized workshops that will help you get your team or organization aligned and rowing in the same direction. That's T-H-E, the number one, dot com to start living the life you've always dreamed of today. Be sure to follow the show to stay up to date on weekly episodes, guest interviews, and more. Plus, we would love to hear from you. Send us a voice note by going to speakpipe.com slash the one thing or email us at podcast at the one thing.com. We'll see you next week.